Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I am joined by the superintendent of the Green County Tech School District, Scott Garris. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, I have I've seen you around, right? It's a small town, and I've been in and out of the school district over the years, and so I'm familiar with your face, familiar with your name, but I don't know a whole lot about kind of uh, just where you came from and how you got to where you are. So I'd, I'd like to start there. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I went to... Uh, school at Greene County Tech some growing up. About three of my uh, years were at West Tech out at the old West Tech school, which is the current intermediate school. West was the best. It was. I was there too. Back then. And uh, in the rainbow building. I was in the rainbow building before there were walls. I immediately feel left out. Okay. Oh man. (laughs) By the way, we did, we did have text messaging back then, but it consisted of writing on a little slip of paper and slipping it through the (laughs) cracks in the shelving. Oh yeah. That's definitely doable there. But But, uh, something has been lost uh, with text messaging, by the way. I was just talking with someone uh, the other day. It was one of our students, actually. And I was like, do people still, like, write notes to each other? And he was like, huh? And I'm like, you know, like, they fold them into, like, doves and things like that. And you pull it. Like, no. No. (laughs) Probably not. But that's how we texted each other back then. So, uh, anyway, uh, made it through several different schools. We sort of moved around a lot growing up and ended up at Oak Grove. And I did... uh, four years out at Oak Grove before the junior highs consolidated. And so those are some fond memories for me out there. Had some really good teachers and uh, ended up uh, graduating from Ridgecrest. Oh, what year? uh, 94. 94. Yes. I have a cousin that graduated, I think, in 93. Do you know Kenyon Huggins? I do know Kenyon. Kenyon and I played basketball together at Oak Grove. Really? We did. Mm -hmm. At junior high? In junior high. Mm -hmm. And we played, uh, I guess, my sophomore year. Uh, for Dr. Painter, he was two years older than me, so he would have been a senior that year. So you played ball at Paragol too? I did. Under Painter? Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was uh, awesome. You know, great, probably, I mean. One of the most uh, winningest coaches, yeah. isn't he? In yeah, high in, school. in the state of Arkansas and ever, and he's a great, he was a great coach. And uh, talk about that gym for a minute before we go into the story. Um, we were just talking today about, you know, Paragol is in the process of considering they got to do something with, I guess, the gym so owed. Would you, if you're in administration, would you do everything you could to keep that gym because of the environment, or are you like, I see the reason to update and maybe... You know, I could see it both ways. I think probably if you could hang on to it and add on to it and make it what you want it to be, that'd be a that'd be a jewel that you'd want to hang on to, yeah. you know. I agree. So you're there playing basketball yep. and the... For two years for two Dr. Painter. Okay. And then, and then uh, graduate, I was working at Hardy's at the time. I was working at Hardy, man, Mad Mountain Mike, all and that crew. yeah, I mean it was a it was a great experience to work there, and uh, and then when I graduated, I went to work at Emerson Electric, and it was I still worked, Emerson. It was still Emerson. So that's when it was like a lot of people. It, there were a lot of people there. Yeah, it was awesome, and I worked there for two and a half years while I went to college full time. And did you know what were you going to college for at that point? Yeah, as a math educator. Okay, so you knew as soon as you came out of school you wanted to go to teaching? No, actually, when I graduated, I had no idea that I would go to college. I was just going to go to work and sort of follow in the footsteps of my grandfather and my brother was working there at the time, and college was not in my, uh, you know, game plan. So your grandpa and your brother at Emerson? Did. Mm -hmm. Okay. And some of my other family members, too. Really? mm -hmm. I went and and toured, I guess, is it Nidic or Nidic? How do you say it? I'm not sure. 
we'll say yes. Nidic, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I was touring it, I guess, uh, three, four years ago. Only time I've ever been in that building. Mm-hmm. And it was like a ghost town in some ways. And they, they had like their own cafeteria mm-hmm. in that place. And they were telling me when you walk out, if you for those who've listened to this, if you ever drive by, it's this massive parking lot on the other side of the building. Yes. And apparently, they said there were so many people that worked there at one time, the parking lot was full. It was full every, every Crazy day. Crazy to yeah. think about that. Three shifts full. And and so uh, after working there for a short period of time, sort of reanalyzing, you know, what I wanted to do and decided I'd go to school. My father was a teacher and a preacher, and uh, so that seemed to be a good path. And I had some educators in my path. You know how educators, you look back and they touched your life and you didn't realize it until you become older and wiser and you you sense um what the, what they did was very impactful it makes you to think and so I wanted to be an educator and went to school at ASU and got a math degree and my first year at I did my student teaching at Tech and I loved it I was with Miss Joan Wooldridge and that would have been around what year oh 98 okay and uh student taught with Miss Wooldridge loved it wanted to work at Tech and but they didn't have any openings so Corning high school needed a math teacher so i got got that job there and taught still living in paragol still living in paragol commuted over there and i had some ties back in corning my great uncle and aunt were the shield of shelter insurance folks over there for for years so everyone knew the name garish over Mm -hmm. there and i was uh, uh, you know just very well felt very welcome in corning had a great first year met some wonderful people there made some good connections uh, but near the end of that year, uh, Dr. Robert Dotson was the principal at the high school at Tech at that time. And he called me up and, and asked me if I'd interview for a math job. Of course, I jumped on it and uh, ended up getting that job. And I was a math teacher at the high school, and I coached football, assistant coach. And this is what years? This would have been 99 and on. And Okay, uh, so you had to put up with Adam Breckenridge. I did. I did. I had to put up with Adam Breckers, not only in the math class, but on the football field. Adam was a good kid, though. Have you ever had another kid quite like him? Not quite. <laughs> He's very unique. That is very true. <laughs> I love him, though, and we've reconnected, you know, since yes. he moved back to Paraguay, yes. and that was that was neat. What did, uh, did Were you coaching in, in Corning? No, I didn't coach in Corning and uh, volunteered some help on uh, on some of their basketball nights there. Okay. Just just to sort of, you know, help out in the school and that sort of thing. And really had no uh, – even though I played sports and and uh, and it was impactful, you know, mm-hmm. particularly my junior high years, um, really never thought I'd coach, but it was so, sort of part of that job. And I was eager all of a sudden to, to be a coach. I coached uh, – assistant coach for football, assistant coach basketball. Okay. Helped in track and drove a bus – you're busy. I was very whatever they needed. You know that was back in the time Who was, where were you with Pip Runyon? Yes, yep, Coach Runyon. Okay, mm-hmm. and taught summer school. You know whatever they needed, we just did it and uh, did that for a few years. And then Mr. Weeks uh, mm-hmm. was getting his first principal's job at the intermediate school, and he needed an assistant principal. And I had finished my master's degree and was certified to be a principal. And I got that job and worked with him. We were there one year at the intermediate school. It was a great first year of, of, of administration. And that would have been what year? Oh, gosh, 2000. 
six, I guess, seven, okay. something like that. Okay. I'd have to count backwards yeah. to get there. Somewhere around in mid-2000s. Yeah. yeah, early early and mid-2000s. And then um, and at, at that point, Gene was approached with the high school principal's job at the end of that first year at Intermediate and asked me to go with him. So we go to the high school uh, that next year. He's the principal. I'm the assistant principal. And that was the year that we consolidated with Delaplane. Mm. And so their superintendent was Mike Chipman. Mm-hmm. who uh, came over to work with us in the high school. He and I were the assistant principals, and Gene was the principal. And what's neat about that is Mike Chipman was my basketball coach at Oak Grove growing up, my idol. You know. Wow. So what was that like? That was awesome. It was unbelievable. We, we reconnected. It was like uh, it was, it's, it's, a, it's what you would hope would happen, you know, if you're a coach and you have a – uh, a young kid that looks at you like a father figure mm-hmm. and you know you're impacting and making a difference and you run into them later in life and you get to work together and hang out as men that's really and, cool and then keep doing what what you've been doing and that's making a difference in people's lives and it was a great experience what did uh, i never knew mike chipman what was it about him that you think had such a big impact on your life in junior high i think it's i think it's um that father figure you know, it's you have those educators, and most are that way that really care. Mm-hmm. Kids can sense if you really have their best interest at heart, and you really care about them, and you and you want to make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. And there were several opportunities that he had to help me to make sure I was okay growing mm-hmm. up, and it was just a connection. I mean, I thought he was God. You mm-hmm. know, he was my basketball coach, mm-hmm. Absolutely. and uh, and I loved him. I enjoyed working with him, and then later on. Uh, we, of course, all three of us moved over and opened up the new high school out on 49. And we, we all worked together for uh, eight years. What was that like, first year moving into that facility? It was unbelievable. It was it was so great. I mean, after fighting the old main. Facility. Oh, it is beautiful. After fighting the old main facility and having buckets everywhere every time it <laughs> rained and mops, and it was uh, it was time. And we, we – uh, it was just it's it's just a, it was an amazing experience opening a new building, and setting the norms, many of which are still followed today. You know the way you set up the building to run, and it great experience. And and Gene's a good leader, and we had a good time with it. Mister Weeks would retire, and then uh, I would become high school principal. And I had uh, Mister Chipman uh, passed away right in that time there, and. Uh, so I was able to um, go hire Chad Jordan from Riverside, whom he and I worked together at Corning our first year together was our first year in education. That's when I met him. Mm-hmm. So we were able to hire him and his wife, Erin, bring them over mm-hmm. to Tech. and uh, It's worked out well. It w- worked out great. And so I did that for two years, and eventually Mr. Weeks would come back, become the superintendent, hire me as his assistant superintendent, and we did that for seven years. And he – So uh, it almost seems mm-hmm. like – I mean, I guess it is. Every time he moved into a position, he was just a little bit ahead of you. He was. And he would bring you beside him. Correct. We worked together for about 17 years total. Wow. Why do you think that is? Like, what is it that you think he saw in you even early on where he was like – and I know it's it's not – it's never easy to brag on yourself, that sort of thing. And so – Maybe even you've heard him say it before, but like, what do you think he looked at and said? You know, I like, I would like Scott Garish beside me. 
and then he you know, continued to put you there. I I would I would like to think. Um, I think it would be the reason that I would hire him. I think that we're perfect complements of each other. And uh, his strengths are some of my weaker weaknesses, if you call them that, and vice versa. And we complement each other very well, and there's not, there wasn't anything that could get thrown at us that together from both angles, mm-hmm. almost opposite sides of the spectrum, could come together and come up with a pretty good solution. I'd like to think that, and then – I also think, again, the same reason I would hire him, and that's, uh, you know, one of the things that I hope at least that that he would say is, you know, that uh, we have a good heart and we're always looking out for the best interests of the kids and trying to meet their needs. And it's a ministry. Really, the school business is a ministry. Mm. It's a mission field mm. is what we've always called it. Mm. And, and I think that, that Gene and I – although we were opposite in our approach, shared uh, that mission field and that calling to the ministry of helping kids, helping people, and making a difference. And it was a great connection. I think the Lord uh, put us together. We had a great career together in administration. First time I met Gene, he was bringing my brother home from football practice, and I was just a little kid out in the yard shooting basketball. Wow. And years later, we would have a, a, a great run together. How cool is that? I mean, so there's two coaches from your childhood yes. that you got a chance to work alongside. Yeah, unbelievable. And, uh, and you know, and then I was hired as superintendent back in, in January. And, you know, we had we started the transition. And it's just been – Gene made it very, very easy, very doable. We just – we transitioned wonderfully. And then – and we've uh, really just had a whole different look, you know. And in a minute, we had a lot of changes this year. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my my walk through. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. What do you think you learned uh, from Gene? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things, but what what even jumps out to your mind right now when you think of things that you learned or took away from your time with Gene, whether it's a superintendent or just being a man or any of that? Well, I learned a lot from Gene, and I I think we learned a lot from each other. What I what I learned from Gene is it's one of his strengths that I hope has become one of my strengths through the years as I've, you know, as you always try to grow mm-hmm. professionally as a person. Gene was always a good listener. He was very good. I always thought of him as like George Washington. If you read about George Washington, he was always the one in the room that sat back and listened to all of the debate and all of the debacle. Mm-hmm. And at the end sort of would stand up and speak and everyone would listen and it would be pretty pretty good advice and it was because he had listened gene had that as his strength and that's something that i hope i've added to my skill set is to get all the information i can from all different angles and be a good listener that continues to be a a theme robert it seems like i don't know if it's seems like a three out of four or something of our last podcast hard for me to keep up with but people uh, different type questions different contexts but this the power of listening just keeps on coming up yes um, and it's so underrated. You know, we're so quick, especially in the world of social media, I feel like, to put out our opinion. Yes. Because everybody wants to know like, right. exactly what I'm thinking. Um, and we've lost the art of listening. But, man, like, and that's an area I want to grow in. It's like you can't possibly have anything valuable to say unless you really listen and understand the other side and gather the facts. And like you said, these people who are, I mean, it's, it's biblical, right? I mean, like, yes. be slow to speak, quick to listen. That's right. And it's like if you have that demeanor, it's almost like people do lean in when you do talk. 
as yes. opposed to guys like me. I'm almost always talking. It's like, okay, that dude's <laughs> always running his mouth. But it's like the person who's slow to speak, when they talk, they're like, okay, it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, there's no doubt. I always gravitate to people. You know, I'm attracted to people who listen Listen to me anyway. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it makes me feel good. It is. That is true, man. Yeah, like you're interested in me. And, you know, I, I'm drawn to that for sure. You mentioned, you know, uh, biblical. A uh, big part of who I am comes from my faith. You know, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and uh, come from a Christian home. Not a perfect home, mm-hmm. but a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And uh, not from a place where, you know, people didn't make mistakes and mm-hmm. and um, and even in my own home you know uh, every the bible says all of us have sinned That's right. and so we all have our stories but but I come from a christian background and training and faith is a big part of me uh and who I am and it's why I'm sitting here today you know when I look at education as a mission field yeah. you know that's fantastic. Well, that's, you know, and sometimes people get nervous when they hear things like that because they think it's like, oh, these educators are going to try to Christianize our kids or whatever else. And I just always take that to mean as I'm going to seek to love these students as God loves them. That's right. That's and what it I'm is. I'm going to seek their best interest, you know, because that's, this is the great command, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor. That's right. As yourself. You know? And that's what we try to do. And that's that's why I love public education because it's not a religion, but it is a mission, and it is what you said. It's to it's to find out what your students need, what your faculty and staff need, not just academically, but socially and emotionally. Where are they? Meeting them where they are with love, with a servant's heart, and providing the resources they need to make them the best version of themselves. And we can educate them. If we can get them to that point, then we can educate them. So tell me about that, because that's something I'm interested in on um, when it comes to public education. Like, you know, you said that you see it as, yeah, education for sure, but more than just gaining facts, like you want to prepare them to be the best version of themselves. Um, My wife and I currently right now, we homeschool. Don't know if we'll do that forever. Uh, We've had our kids in public school before. Um, but we've gone back and forth and there's all kinds of debates around there of like, man, is, are we really truly preparing our kids for the real world? Or are we just teaching to a test in order to appease the government or whatever else or the state? Um, I'm curious from your perspective, you've been in all levels now. Like, do you feel like we're heading in the right direction? Do you feel like truly, like, I think we are preparing these kids to succeed, to be the best version of themselves. And if so, like, like, why do you believe that? I think that, you know, my answer to that would be <clears throat> somewhere in the middle. You know, I think sometimes the states, certainly the federal government, we get caught up in the test and the standards and those type of things. And those are necessary. I mean, don't get me wrong. We need those. They help you kind of measure, right? It, the it gives you the measurement that's needed to, to know if, if learning is taking place, if growth is taking place, and if not, uh, you know, changes that need to be made. Mm-hmm. And uh, but on the other end of the spectrum, you know, um, without that, you know, w- we would all just sort of be running in our own direction. So I think it's somewhere in the middle. And I, I think what public schools do a, a very good job of, um, at least modern public schools, is, you know, diversity, giving so many choices. There are so many avenues of education available in a public high school and public school in Arkansas. You know, there's vocational 
you know, we, we, we partner with the uh, Botech Center in Jonesboro. Paragould does too. We partner with Black River, Te- uh, River Tech for a nursing program and welding program. Paragould does too. Um, you know, we, we have uh, at Tech, we have an unbelievable career technical education. You know, that's what we called home ec and agri and those business courses. Unbelievable. Um, we have AP programs for the, the students that, that are on that college preparatory track looking for the most rigor, you know, uh, in their in their study and, you know, everything in between. I think the what we what we do a good job of is providing opportunities and uh, mm-hmm. multiple opportunities uh, for learning. And but but much of it is on if you think back to your own experiences, much of it is on the, the student. You know, it's, I know that when I made up my mind, I was going to college, uh, looking back, wishing that I'd done a better job on my end in high school and junior high, you know, preparing, had to work a little harder in college than I probably should have. Mm -hmm. But, but there again, when I made up my mind to, to move forward. So that's where, uh, the other parts of public education come in. Many of our students are coming from, they're coming from different places, you know, they're coming from places where maybe not all of their needs are being met at home. Mm-hmm. And so reaching out and trying to make sure that we, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use the word minister, but make sure that we're meeting all of their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in the Bible, uh, it seemed like, you know, Jesus always fed the people before he preached to them, you know, so that we, we got to make sure we're taking care of all the needs of our children mm-hmm. And then we can connect with them and get them on the right learning path. Mm-hmm. And as they grow older, I think having those uh, many different learning tracks, you know, give give students a chance to to really connect with who they are. And I think there's a movement also that I'm sensing. And and you know, when I was in school, it was college, college, college. Everyone's going to college. Yes, yeah. I think there's a move back, yep. you know, in this country and in totally. this state and locally. It's like we need skilled labor and yes. the money is out there now because you oh, know 100 percent there's uh, a theme there yeah, there's that a, keeps that keeps cropping up yeah in all these Martin, conversations uh, we're having. um eppensberger yeah um from black river mm-hmm. i don't call it she came the doc president martin. yes yeah he came yeah doc martin is what we call him <laughs> uh he came on and we talked about that yeah you know there was a book that came out i can't remember the name of it i butchered it whenever he was on here but it was written by the harvard uh, professor who just talked about um college has not completely lost its value, but it's it's lost some of its value. And he said, um, and these skilled jobs, these these jobs you do with your hands, plumber, yes. HVAC, electrician. He's like those. If you go and you get, and if you will get you, uh, if you'll get licensed in one of those things, there's a good chance you can become a millionaire in the in the generations to come because you're gonna be able to name your price because yes. nobody's doing it anymore. It's already happening, and I, I so I think that's what public schools are doing well. But we always know that we can do better. You know, that's one thing about education. People in education are always knowing that they're not getting it perfect, and so we need we need some measurement. That's where we need the standards. We need the tests, the assessments. We need that measure so that we can see where we're landing and we can cycle back, readjust, and, um, you know, get more growth. Mm-hmm. And so that's what educators do best. They analyze where they are, what their needs are. They assess that. And then they, uh, you know, change whatever way they need to change to get the product closer to what we're looking for. And so is it perfect public education? No, but I I believe in it Mm -hmm. and I I believe in, 
in the process and, and, and more and more uh, reaching out to the whole child, all the needs of the child. Yeah, that's huge. Do you think there's a way, and maybe there's other schools that are doing this somewhere, I, I've not heard of it, but is it even possible, feasible to um, help a kid identify where their strengths are, like how they're wired and possibly help them understand the direction Yes. To go. Yeah, there are uh, in our career classes they take assessments and oh cool and then in high school there's assessments they can take that help do exactly what you're talking about give them an idea of what they're skilled in or might need to be uh, researching more about you yeah. know where they lean. To. That's fantastic. I, I didn't know that, and I was just having a conversation with one of our staff members here of like. You know, whenever I, I went to college and then eventually whenever I decided to go on the path that I went, I, I had no idea that I had leadership capabilities. I had no idea because no one had ever seen that in me or helped me realize that. And so it took me a little bit longer mm-hmm. to get on the path that I should have been on. I kind of had to, I went and tried this, I went and tried that. Like, I didn't really know. And you kind of just had to find out, mm-hmm. you know, yourself. And I've always thought like, man, it had been pretty sweet or would be if somehow educators these people who are around these kids so often if they're able to help them identify like hey you know what like right you got kind of a mathematical mind which could mean this this or this or 100 percent. yeah Yeah. that's fantastic do you think um our schools will ever go to to four-day school weeks i've seen that there are several that are doing that and i've i I understand the benefit um also understand some of the, the pitfalls i'm curious like is that a part of the conversation in our school district I, it's not really been a part of the conversation at, at Tech. You know, we, we never shut down. We can say we're going to do a four-day week, but with all of the athletics and activities mm-hmm. that we offer, again, all in an uh, effort to help the child connect, mm-hmm. we know about the research of, of getting the child connected into something, being a part of something, and how powerful that is. And with all of our extracurriculars, we don't shut down as it is. I, I Even this summer, we ran several buses for our summer SOAR program to bring kids back to school for, you know, uh, intervention and, and tutoring, extra learning. We opened up kitchens and cooked all summer long. I, I think it's probably not part of the conversation because we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're never shut down as yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, we just continue to roll. Yep. I do see some of the benefits, uh, you know, of – of some of the uh, alternative schedules that are out there. It'll be interesting as we go through the next few years to look at the data, mm-hmm. you know, so yep. 100%. not closing the door on it, but, but skeptical in, in, in a lot of ways at the same time. Yeah. Um, so this is your first year superintendent. It is. I'm curious what, what's that been like for you so far? I mean, first day was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. You know, it's been awesome. I, I can honestly say I love my job. I get up every morning excited about coming to work um it it, but the truth is jared it's it's not about me it's all of the people that i have around me Mm -hmm. it's all of those kids every day and those teachers every day that's what excites me to have an opportunity to lead but to be a part of something bigger than i am and 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 to actually have the team the team that we have in central office is unbelievable the business office, the special education department, my assistants, our administrative assistants, we're all working together as a team. It's its fun. You know, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Our leadership team is amazing. I mean, I just I can't imagine having a stronger leadership team. And so that makes it fun. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's it's been challenging at times, but it's it's 
it's also rewarding and fun to come to work and have such a great team to work with. Mm. You know, they make it fun. Mm. So, so yeah, clearly you have a good team that you're working with there as far as the leadership in the office. And then you have all of these uh, amazing teachers that I know are doing a lot of work uh, for very little pay. Um, when you think about all that they're doing, is there a message that you give to your teacher uh, as they start another school year? When you, you hit the nail on the head, I, I've been so impressed with our teachers, our, our whole faculty and staff, by the way, you know, we're coming out of two years of COVID land, mm-hmm. the most challenging two years in my career. And I've heard many others who have a longer career than myself saying the same thing. There's, there's never been anything like it. Mm-hmm. The challenges that, 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 that we faced and that our faculty particularly uh, faced and how they overcame that is really impressive and unbelievable. And it speaks to the heart that they have for the mission that we're all in. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll just literally go to any length to make sure they're meeting the needs of their children. And, you know, wh- as far as the message I have, I can think back to just a few weeks ago when we first got together as a district and all the faculty and staff were together at the auditorium. And I was addressing them at the same time, trying to get them out of there. And something just kind of came over me and uh, unplanned. I just began to tell a, a couple stories. I'll tell them now. It, and uh, it was about two teachers in particular um, who had an unbelievable positive impact on me as a person and how later on uh, as an educator. And, and I challenged them uh, to do that. And I'll tell those stories. I said, my kindergarten teacher. So I don't know how many people remember their kindergarten teacher. I remember mine. Okay. So back in the day, it was a half-day kindergarten on the short bus. You know, that's what I call it. It was a half-day kindergarten on the short bus. And so we went to kindergarten, and it was Miss Nettie Todd. And it was over at what's what's Southland now. It was Cardwell. Mm. And Miss Nettie Todd was my half-day kindergarten teacher. And, you know, we had some family issues going on at that time. And I just remember... Uh, you know, how much she, how caring she was and how loving she was. And I, I don't, I feel like God put us together. That's exactly what I needed mm-hmm. in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And what I remember about her is how she smiled at me. And this mm-hmm. sounds silly, but it's so true. When you're a child, it, when, you know, your teacher smiles at you, that's a big thing. hundred percent. And you can sense the love and protection that I felt and the safety that I felt with her. And it stuck with me, and I never forgot her. And so we moved on through life. 35 years later, something like that, 32 years later, I'm high school principal at Tech. We just had an awards ceremony. Hadn't made the connection, but one of our seniors, top seniors, was her grandson. And her uh, granddaughter would later, a short, short time after that, become a Tech employee. But uh, here we are. The, the program's over. I'm leaning over the front of the stage talking to a parent, and I see this elderly lady coming down one of the aisles there in the auditorium, gray hair. She has her granddaughter, again, would-be employee on her side. They're coming to the front, and I caught caught her in my peripheral, and I looked, glanced over, and finished the conversation. And while I'm finishing the conversation with the parent, 
I know what the Bible means when it says we'll know as we are known. I know I kind of know what heaven's going to be like as far as knowing each other, mm. because truly the woman looked nothing like she did 32 years earlier. You, if I held up a picture of her then and now, you wouldn't recognize her. Yet I knew instantly who she was. She had that familiar smile from three decades ago, and we connected, and our eyes connected, and our souls connected. I knew who she was, and when she made it down to the stage. I was finished with my conversation. I leaned my hand forward, and she took it very properly. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Link put her hand forward. I took it, and I said, Hi, Miss Todd, how are you? And she said, Well, I wouldn't even know that you would uh, remember me or recognize me. And I said, I will never forget you. I love you, mm-hmm. and I remember how you loved and took care of me. Mm-hmm. That, some people say, kindergarten teacher. That's just kindergarten. No, that is kindergarten let me tell you something. We're making a lifetime impact on our children in those early years. And that's and what I told them, I said, be like Nettie. This year, I know, I know test scores are important, and we have a new literacy curriculum, K-5. We have so many things going on. We have a district-wide initiative we're going to be pushing next year in PD for building that collaborative culture, you know, working together collaboratively. But the most important thing you can do this year is be like Nettie Mm. and connect with your kids and smile at them and make a difference and let them know how much you love them. And I said, if you can't be like Nettie, then be like Betty. (laughs) And so Betty is uh, Betty Garrett. And so you may know Chad and Nikki. uh, So Betty is their mother. Betty was my uh, eighth and ninth grade math and literacy teacher Mm -hmm. at Oak Grove. And uh, I won't quote the lines that I quoted from my faculty from uh, the Romeo and Juliet play that I memorized for her uh, back then, but I still remember them. And let me tell you what Betty did. When uh, it was uh, the eighth grade was almost over and we were going to move again, and moving again meant changing schools again. Mm-hmm. And in Oak Grove, I had been there you know, sixth, seventh, and, and most all of eighth now. I did not want to leave. I mean, that was mm-hmm. – I was in, you know, I had Coach Chipman there, everything going well. And Miss Garrett called my mom and said, hey, if I, it's not good for Scott to leave Oak Grove. What if I come pick him up every morning and take him to school and bring him home? And she was like, there, you, there's no way you can do that. You live on Fairview Road, and we live over here in Tech District on uh, Oak Street. And she said, I don't mind. It's not that big wow. a deal. So the rest of my eighth grade year, she and Chad and Nikki came and picked me up and wow. took me to school, and my whole ninth grade year, the same thing. Jeez. And many times we would have – Coach Chipman would run a bus route, and so we'd have to wait after school when he got back to have basketball practice, and she would have Chad and Nikki do their homework while she graded papers, and they would wait on me before she took me home. And I didn't understand the, how unbelievable that – it was. It's crazy for me as an adult to think back about. She was a mother, you know. Yeah, she still yeah. had to cook when she got home. the The way that she reached out to me was life changing because I got to stay in that school. I got to stay connected with my friends and with my coach and everything that I did at Oak Grove. And I will never forget that. It's just an unbelievable impact that she made. As a result, I was a very good student for her. Like I said, I memorized parts of. Because you, you know, knew she loved you, man. Oh, man. I, I was a great math. I became a math teacher. You know, it's like it's wild. unbelievable. I said, so if you can't be like Nettie, 
be like Betty. That's I'm going to have a t-shirt made. And it's like, you should hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that was my challenge to them. That was my, my, that's my goal for them yeah. this year is just to really reach out and connect. And, and I had opportunities all through my career to repay what Ms. Garrett did for me and what Ms. Todd did for me in similar ways, by the way. And that's also paying forward for those yeah. students as well. And God has been good to me uh, by putting people in my life all through the years. And I can only hope that he's uh, used me in the same way yeah. in my career. So that's how I challenged my staff. That's an incredible story. Two things I want to say is, first off, uh, I have Miss Garrett as well as a math teacher, and she caught me uh, caught me uh, stealing. No, caught me cheating on a test once, and um, took me. I'm not a big crier at all, but she had me crying out in the hallway, not out of like fear, but she she basically just remember her message is like, "You're better than this." Mm Mm-hmm. Like you were better than this. Unbelievable. And I just it, was a, yeah. it softened my heart. I, was, yes. I knew she was right. I just felt the tenderness and I cried. I just then cried yes. uh, as a high school student. Um, and so, uh, but, but the smile piece, I just talked about this with Terry Austin on here. He's an administrator at CRA. There is a ton of uh, evidence around the importance of smiling yes. right now. And man, like I, I just want to, for those listening to this, whether you're a parent or you're a teacher, whatever, factory worker, smiling is so underrated. Um, We now know neuroscience is pointing to the fact that every child from the time they're born is looking for joy. It's what they want is joy. And joy is found whenever you know that the person you're looking at is happy that they're with you. And that's why a kid looks up at a child. Yes, I mean, it looks up at their parent whenever they're nursing or whatever else. They look so often they're just trying to see, like, are you glad that I'm here? Correct. And that doesn't go away. And what they say is like, man, and that's why there's so many verses in the scripture on the face of God smiling on you, smiling Mm -hmm. on you, smiling on you. And so I just want to say again, like, pay attention to your facial expression because even you may be in a good mood, but a lot of times we need to remind our face of that, of like, and even if you're having a bad day, like, the entry point when they come into the room, like, that's the most important time. And I know, like, we're all busy and we have things going on. We talk about that here in our kids' ministry. It's like, I know you've got stuff going on, but please acknowledge that kid when they walk. You have no idea That's what right. kind of day they've had. Like, just acknowledge them. And, and Scott, it's so good to see you. Yes. Good to see you. And yes. Just a smile. It ought to be anything crazy. And the proof is in the put. Like, that builds joy. It builds resilience. It builds connection. Yes. And whenever you have that, now all of a sudden – I want to be a good student for this person. That's right. I want to, this person cares about me. And that's the, that's, that's the mission part is, is connecting with people, loving people, truly connecting and loving people. And then we can get the other stuff done. Yeah. You know, that's the idea. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing those stories. If I were you, I would share those every single year because they would be worth hearing over and over and over. Those are powerful, powerful stories. So, um, Every podcast, we like to end with a uh, list of rapid-fire questions. So okay. if you're up for the task, Let's do it. I'm going to shoot them your way. All right. Number one, what is either the last movie, if you don't watch movies, last show you watched, or what is the last book you read? Uh, I can do both. I, I'm not a big movie watcher simply because we have a large family and I have a, a busy job, so I don't watch a lot of movies, mm-hmm. although I like watching movies. But Andy Griffith is my favorite all time, and I have every. You and Ryan Carpenter. Okay, so it, that'd be Andy Griffith on the book. Of course, I try to read my Bible every day when I wake up. So right now I'm reading in Psalm, yeah. and uh, I think the 68th chapter this morning. So that's a great uh, place to read. That's that's for my book reading. That's fantastic. We were just talking as a staff today about um, 
one of the best reading plans a lot of us have been on is is you pick a psalm for the day and so you know today is the 23rd and mm-hmm. then you just go five chapters up mm-hmm. um no 30 chapters up sorry and you do that five times like so um and if you'll do that every day you read through the psalms okay. in the entire month so it's kind of a yeah yeah it's a good practice psalms are a great place uh what is your favorite band Oh man! Or if you really want to get specific, because I'm actually this is uh, something's about to be released. By the way, I'm putting together a Spotify playlist with all of our guest favorite songs. So, oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna send it to you soon. We'll release it. Um, So, favorite band, or if you have a favorite song. Mm, Okay, well, I would have to say, uh, of course, I like all kinds of music, mainly country and gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my favorite band and musician and song of all time is Elvis Presley, King Rock and Roll. Come on. (laughs) And uh, probably the song is Stand By Me. I love his version of Stand By Me. Um, Just speaks to me. Excellent. Hey, right on. Awesome. So there you go. Is Elvis still alive? In the heart of of every (laughs) fan. (laughs) We have a guy in our church, Kenny Ford, an insurance guy. He's probably the biggest Elvis fan. Mm. Uh, He's the the biggest Elvis fan I've ever met. He's got an Elvis bathroom. Okay. And uh, in his house. And uh, I asked him one time, they came on the podcast and asked him if Elvis was alive. And he's like, nope, I know the man that embalmed him. (laughs) He used to live live in West Memphis. So he's like, I've talked to him in person. I've asked him. So um, what is your favorite meal? My favorite meal. Oh, man. My favorite meal that I would like to eat or my favorite yes, meal? Yes, yes. Okay. That you'd like to eat. My favorite meal that I'd like to eat but I pr- try to stay away from nowadays is fried chicken. Yeah. My mom's fried chicken. Man, what That's does she good. put with that? What was the trick? Well, we can do anything. We can do anything from boiled cabbage, you know, to some fried squash, oh, uh, yeah. a little mashed potato. Yeah. You know, anything like you that. You got to have a cheat meal every now and then. So uh, it's rare that I that I eat fried chicken now, but um, I like it. Right on, man. Um, what is on your nightstand right now? My nightstand. What's on my nightstand is my bedside safe and my phone charger and my specs. Now that I'm older, <laughs> I have to have some reading glasses. So that's that's what's on my bedside. Fantastic. Um, Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. So just an ordinary moment that right now brings you a lot of joy. You know, automatically comes to mind. We're lake people. We raised our boys at the lake in the summer. The thing that gives me great joy is being at the lake with my family, having a family meal, spending time together, laughing, you know, playing games, whatever that is. So that's... In fact, I have a picture. I have a little uh, happy spot on my wall in my office, and I have four items up there, and it's right out of the view of my monitors so that, you know, when it's on, I can just glance up a little bit, look at that little happy corner over there, and in that happy spot on my wall is a picture, and in that picture it says, you make me smile. And it's pictures of my family and, and us at the lake. That's really so cool. That break that brings me back every time. That's super cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. Robert, I want you to have a happy spot in your wall with my face <laughs> on it. <laughs> Would you do that for me? Uh, uh, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> of course. That's awesome. All right, last question. Okay. Uh, what is the one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? The one thing that I'm deeply grateful for. I think I would go to... Um, I got to speak at Brown's Chapel Church a couple weeks ago, right before school started. Um, 
And I think the thing that I'm most deeply grateful for is, is something that I shared with them. And that is that all of, all of my family that I know of, all of my immediate family is saved. They're Christians. They know the Lord. They have a relationship and a walk with Christ. And we will all be in heaven together someday. That's awesome. Yep. Don't get any better than that, man. So thank you so much for yep. coming on. I yes, really sir. enjoy getting to spend time with you. Hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime. Anytime. Thanks so much. Uh, for tuning in. If you've not already done so, please check us out on our different social media platforms. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Um, if you've not done this, please go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Um, that helps people to find us more quickly and just learn about the amazing people who are living right here in Paragold. So as always, again, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.